So hello and welcome to our ongoing series of Icons of Relocation podcast. My name is Simon Johnston. I'm the CEO of Icon Relocation, a provider of world-leading home search, moving technology and property management solutions. Now today I'm delighted to be talking to a very good friend and perhaps the most knowledgeable person on the Australian relocation market. It is of course Anna Cavell. How are you Anna? I'm very well thank you Simon. Lovely to be with you. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's always a pleasure to speak to you, it really is. And I'm really excited to talk to you because when you talk about uh, countries who are close, UK and Australia come up really high in the list. And I think there's probably a lot we can explore in this conversation. But if you permit me, I, I'm really interested to talk about the housing market initially, because certainly from the UK point of view, this is a hot topic. It's high demand people coming in, stock levels are, are low. C- can you just tell us what's the situation in Australia for you? Yep. Absolutely. It's not dissimilar, potentially not quite as hot, but I think it very much depends where in Australia you are looking. So we have the state capitals, uh, Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, Brisbane, um, they are all extremely tight. But I think it's really important when you're looking at data um, of sort of um, vacancy rates that they very much tend to look at the kind of macro, you know, the entire sort of metropolitan Sydney, metropolitan Melbourne. And actually for our clients, it's really important to sort of zoom in a little bit and see what's the what's it like in the areas that they want to live. Melbourne may have a vacancy rate of 5%, which may sound, or 3% or something, which may sound quite good but then you mm. look in the areas where our clients typically want to live and it's extremely tight so for right. example Subiaco in Perth was something like 1.6 percent some parts of you know Perth we're looking and there are no properties um, available at this current time so that's sort of an indication well, any price point basically yeah of like so say family homes wow. in a certain area none on the market so um Melbourne has a population of about 5 million, same with Sydney. They are large, sprawling cities. Um, They go on and on and on, um, large distances, but not everybody that we're relocating wants to live that far out. They all want to live in the more desirable suburbs closer to the heart of the city. So it is tight and we are having in some locations, you know, 60 people turning up to an an inspection. Um, It's a lot of competition to beat. So having the relocation consultant sort of put in a good word and send a corroborating letter um, definitely helps get them put to the top of the pile. But as we are saying to clients, we can't magic your unicorns. And it's just it is what it is, unfortunately. (laughs) That's interesting. So it's not that dissimilar to the UK in the broad sense of the words. But do you as you said, uh, I think the previous time we spoke, you're talking about the fact that Australia sometimes is certainly since post-COVID, perhaps six months behind the UK. So are you anticipating the housing market might get tighter before it starts recovery? Do you have any views about what's coming? We, oh my gosh, my crystal ball is very murky these days. Terrible, in fact. But we actually are hoping that the market might ease somewhat um, as Australians start to go back overseas. So they may take up assignments in New York or London, they free up their property, but keep it. And then that's a property that our clients can take. So, um, you know, when the borders were shut for two years, there were really very few international students. So that's why the vacancy rate in some of the downtown locations is really high, because there's endless apartment buildings that are waiting for the students to return to. So they are returning. But we're actually just hoping that as movement improves, 
there will be a little bit of a loosening of the market. Um, that's my positive stance. <laughs> hoping. Good. Well, that's a nice positive stance. So that that that'll be uh, good to hear. Yeah. Okay. Actually, which kind of leads onto an interesting conversation because you're talking about movement of people and. Um, related aspects. Uh, and one of the big things that's been the news, I think, in both our countries is the fact that the UK and Australia have entered into a, a new trade agreement, uh, which is probably very logical, as it's, it's two probably some of the closest countries in the world, as long as we don't talk about sport, of course, in which case it all goes uh, a little bit. Um, yeah, let's not do that. Um, however, it's, it's really exciting new trade agreement. And uh, I've just been interested to explore from your angle. Uh, what do you think the trade agreement might offer us uh, between the two countries and how could this benefit people relocating? Yeah, so we, it's something to be quite proud of and I think that it's a testament to the um, civil servants in both of our governments who continue to do really good work despite what might be happening um, in Downing Street or in Canberra at any given time. Um, you may recall probably sometime in December, maybe 2021, I think it was, uh, Boris Johnson and our then Prime Minister Scott Morrison standing in um, the garden of Downing Street sharing, I don't know, Marmite and Tim Tams or something like that. Something so other, they were yeah. very proud of the fact that it was the first free trade agreement that was um, drafted after Brexit. Um, yep. It makes sense. There's an awful lot of trade going in both directions and obviously our long history and movement of people. Um, mm. And actually, I think it's something to be really um, excited about. There are a lot of um, easings, not only of regulatory things like, you know, customs tariffs and things like that, but also on the movement of people. So, for example, the working holiday visa, um, now goes from 30 to 35, which is great. That's an extra five years worth of age that, people, that employers can tap into. They can now come for three years, not two. And in the past, they used to, British um, working holidaymakers used to have to go and spend a time, six months working in the farms, collecting right. strawberries and stuff like that. And that's also been abolished. So that's great. Um, and I did read, as I was saying, the um, Accenture CEO was ref referencing it recently, saying they might start some formal rotation um, of the younger workers um, between the two um, office locations even more than they already do. Um, mm -hmm. Other things include um, uh, skilled migrants um, are now able to come over for four years, not two, with their families. So that's great. Um, because if you're coming to the other side of the world, two years goes really quickly. So yeah. uh, they can actually affect decent amount of change. The other thing is that it will no longer be a requirement that um, the employer has to prove that they couldn't find an Australian to do the job, which is what it currently is. So they will just be able to bring people in. Well, that's huge. And it's so right, isn't it? I mean, yep. so they can, uh, any employer can look at the uh, Australian market and the UK market in parallel, basically, and Correct. try and identify the best talent. And, and the same in reverse, obviously. In reverse, yeah. Yeah. And then there are certain regulated professions which um, are going to be recognised, mutually recognised now. So architecture, um, law, um, audit, um, things like that. So that will make it much easier for people to practise and do their work in the corresponding mm. countries without having to resit, you know, lots of exams or not be or being restricted in the work that they can do. Um, and they also, as with everything, there's always this stance on sort of tech startups and um, mm. SMEs and things like that. So they're going to make it easier for 
companies to invest in each other's com countries and send those senior management people in because other in the past they were kind of rather stymied by the regulations because they you know their startup phase etc cetera, etc cetera, they may not meet all the requirements it doesn't mean that they shouldn't um come in so i think there's there's really quite a lot in there actually when you when you take it into consideration so what's the timelines on this agreement? So perhaps refresh our memory. So we have got the agreement uh, tied up. Uh, a, a lot of those benefits you're talking about, are these active now? Have they got timelines before they come in? Uh, any sort of guidance on, on that? So it's now with both domestic governments to pass through their own parliaments. Um, mm. And there's there's hope that it will be that will be done by 2022. We have a new government now um, from the last couple of months, so it's probably the reset button has been hit. So it's probably going to maybe dragged on a little bit. Who knows? And obviously you've got some things going on over there, so I'm not sure. But <laughs> uh, I, the intention, I think, is they they said by the end of 2022 to have it formalised. Now, then they also included in that is five years to roll it out. So these are not right. fast moving things. But I think given the dearth of talent that we have in Australia at the moment, there will be quite um, high interest to get it pushed through quite quickly. I, I'd have to say this is uh, extremely exciting for, for many different reasons. One is um, my parents were one of the, uh, the the Brits that moved to Australia back in the um, 50s and 60s. So they did all that. But I, I read a really interesting article recently, and I apologise for being a little bit vague on it, that more people from the UK move to places like Australia and Canada and New Zealand than the whole of mainland Europe put together. So this isn't a sort of secretary conversation. This is a major traffic stream of talent between the two countries. Yeah. So yeah. there's a real possibility of some massive growth in, in activity between Australia and UK, which is in any interpretation is a wonderful thing to see. Yeah. And I think we all need a positive story at the moment, don't we? <laughs> yeah. I agree. It is nice. We're both very positive people, but I have to say I, I, it's hard to find a downside in this particular side of the story. It's uh, you know two countries that have got so much history and so close. So if we can bring it closer still, this is uh, a very exciting outcome. I think the only um, issue will be the speed with which it can get through, you know, from a government point of view, so that employers mm. can then access those um, those relax relaxations. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be interested to see. I, again, I think it's probably too early to say about whether the sort of cost of immigration is going to be reduced as well. I don't know if there's any talk about that or whether it's just the process itself is going to be streamlined. Uh, it's probably uh, no great word on that at this particular moment in time. OK, well, that sounds um, really encouraging. Um, can I just ask an, another question, which uh, I'm going to just throw it to you, which is came, came to mind during that last bit of the mm. conversation. Um, the UK and Australia are are close, um, so much history. We have a sort of a, a, a sort of love rate relationship with so many things, but it's such a good one. <laughs> but if somebody was, I love it, such such a great uh, time with uh, with Australians. But if somebody was moving down to Australia from the UK, how much in a way of any cultural training would be required? Can somebody just sort of plug into the Australian life very quickly if you're Brit and vice versa, do you think? Because or, or do you actually need to some sort of climatization to, to recognize the differences? Very, very, very few people receive cultural training, yeah. um, particularly uh, coming from the UK. It's just almost assumed that everything will be fine and easy. 
but we both know that the cultural differences are definitely there between um, the UK and Australia. We love them and we hate them and it's like a, we're frenemies and um, cultural training. I think it's, I think actually there's probably um, a, a greater difference between US and Australia um, insofar as Australians are extremely egalitarian and um, pretty relaxed and we really don't suffer any kind of bombastic um, you know anything if anybody is give is is um, seen to be getting too big for their boots or um, lording themselves around a bit Australians will cut you down very very quickly with some very sharp humor um, and my experience, and I'm, I, I, I love my American friends very well, but I do think that uh, uh, there's a difference culturally, quite a, quite a significant difference. Um, what else would I say between the Brits and Australia? Um, so one thing are relocating families. Um, I find the British, I am English, by the way, that probably should be apparent, um, but the British families always seem to lean on league tables, completely obsessed with league tables and um, In what context by you mean in league school tables? For schools? Oh, schools, okay, yeah. And so they always want to know what the outstanding performing schools are. And I think that must right. be a, a, a reference, a term of reference over there, but we just don't it have It is. That Ofsted was reports here. All schools are rated, yes. it's a, And schools right. here have it as a badge of honour. If they've got a good score, then Okay. You you really do know about it. Right. And so we just don't really have that here. We have one right. form of assessing some kind of it would potentially you could judge one school against each other um, on their ratings of these exams that most um, schools can't stand these government exams that are done. Um, but it's a real eye opener because I think Australian we Australian parents look at schools in a much more holistic way around what's the school going to offer, what's its pastoral care, what's its sport like. We're all obsessed with sport um, and you right know, art. And, you know, it's not just on the academic um, yeah. uh, outcomes. So it's always an education trying to explain to the parents that it's not just about the league tables. That's interesting, actually, and just building on this, if you are relocating down to Australia and you do have children, is the educational system broadly similar to the UK or does it follow a very different process? Um, broadly similar from a sort of curriculum point of view. The major difference is that our school year starts at the end of January and finishes right. in December. So our summer holidays are over Christmas. So most families want to start their children at the start of the school year. So January mm. is our very, very busy time. Um, right. So people can start. And so therefore, um, Northern Hemisphere families always have to consider, are they is their child going to repeat half a year or go forward half a year? Good comment, good observation. Yes, <laughs> so yes it is I, different. <laughs> it is different, yeah. <laughs> I still struggle with the fact that you have Christmas on the beach. I mean, that's from a very okay. northern hemisphere. That's uh, that's that's kind of yeah. completely different process. And you guys have been sweater, sweltering through a heat wave, and it's cold here in Melbourne today. Is it? Yeah. What and do you mean by cold? As a matter of interest, complete side issue. I, I suspect <laughs> the, the two countries have a different interpretation of cold. Yes, uh, very much so. So cold in Melbourne would be five, would be absolutely freezing. Um, for us, two would be, you know, newsworthy. Um, right. But 
our houses are not built for cold. We are more built ah. for heat. So we you're, have... You're built for heat extraction, not heat retention. Correct. Yes. So we have very comprehensive aircon systems, but not great on the heating front. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? I know we're getting slightly off subject, but it couldn't be more opposite here. All the houses here are built for, built for heat retention, as, as I know you know. And we've just been going for a heat wave. I'm um, still are actually still incredibly warm here, even though it's raining outside. Uh, yeah, and you just can't keep cool in these houses. They're not designed for it. I feel for you. <laughs> <laughs> still winter's coming and it's raining. So uh, Fabulous, is there anything else which you think if somebody was relocating? Because as I said, uh, I'm really excited about the growth prospects of movements between the two countries. So if somebody was uh, um, considering relocating or a company was considering relocating people, I think we've covered things. But is there anything else that you feel that we should at least explore at this stage? Mm, well, pretty uh, well, the first thing is um, I would like to reassure everybody that Australia is open and I very much hope we didn't tarnish our reputation by slamming our borders shut for two years and not letting anyone in or out. Um, it's a fabulous place to live and the lifestyle and the quality of living is really fantastic. The education, um, there's so much to offer and it still continues to be, I think, in the top 10 of, you know, The Economist's most livable cities in the world, Sydney and Melbourne in particular. So yeah. I do think that the very, very harsh stance that was taken um, during COVID definitely would have had an effect on people potentially making that consideration you know do, can I trust that if I relocate to Australia that I'm not that I am going to be able to get home to my family you know if I need to I think there's I think that's definitely had some damage there but um, I don't foresee us ever redoing that again so hopefully we're, those days are behind us um, what else? We also have a new government here. This is rather a topical point, but we have a new government mm -hmm. here. And I think because we were closed for two years and so many foreigners basically were told go home, we now have right. massive skills shortage. And um, so there's going to be a job summit next week, um, bringing together, you know, unions, business, government, and I'm sure immigration and um, getting people into the country is going to be on the lists of you know, conversation. So I'm very much hoping that the stance is going to shift from one of gotcha, which is very much what how the department is um, treating um, applications at the moment to one of more of just processing and reasons to deny, you know, accept rather than deny. Um, yes, because we desperately need talent and it's not an overnight easy fix. Um, you know, there's much more that has to be done to address it from the universities and the training and everything like that. Sure. No, I can accept that. That's a, a multifaceted conversation, but it is a very exciting one, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're back to hopefully the days of uh, travel between these sort of countries greatly increasing. Uh, and it sounds like Australia is looking for the best talent to go go there. I know historically exactly the same thing with us. Um, it'd be lovely to see more Australians back here. It seems very strange. You used to kind of go for most of my uh, a childhood, you, you spend half your life going to Australians, and just recently, not really? quite the same number. Yeah, really? absolutely. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, it's lovely. As as I said, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's lovely. Some of these countries we're very close to, but this this is something. I'm not being disrespectful, but it's something very special about these two countries. Or maybe it's the way I was brought up, because my parents are very proud of their life in Australia. So maybe it's a personal aspect, possibly. 
and it definitely but yeah, it'd be helps. great to get that back. It definitely helps that you can now fly Perth, London direct with Qantas, and uh, it's a long yeah. flight, though, isn't it? It is a long Gosh. flight, but it's it's mentally very satisfying to take off in Australia and land in the UK. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think this is a conversation that's worth exploring. So perhaps at some stage we could catch back up again and see what's happening, whether things are improving, what's the state of the market, immigration. Because uh, I think it would be so exciting to see activity levels increase between yeah. the two countries. And if we can help encourage it and support it and make sure that anybody's moving between the two locations has an amazing experience, which I know both of us can do really well, that's got to be a great yeah, outcome. So maybe come back in the six months and see how things are and see what yes. we can do to to help our clients from Definitely. there. That'll be brilliant. I'd love to do that. And uh, you're amazing. I love speaking to you. Thank you so much. And I hope to catch up again very soon. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Simon. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye.